Welcome to Millennial Sex, True Stories Podcast. I'm your host, the Professor Double X, and I'm in the bedroom tonight. I am excited that I have a brand new guest for everyone. I do feel that this is the most interesting and useful podcast that I have recorded because our guest is Goddess Victoria Sway. Victoria Sway is not, you know, your Instagram influencer goddess. She's not a kid who just started the game. She's extremely experienced and totally natural about it. No gimmicks, no acts, no no caricatures, no costumes necessarily. But she just knows human psychology and she understands what makes people tick in a sexual way. And I learned a lot during this podcast. So it's kind of a long podcast, over an hour. From the beginning, you know, we really talk about her practice, what what services she offers, her style, you know, everything from slut training to service training to brats to her specialty uh, pulling out a person's dark and shadow personality so that they can face it and understand what's driving them so that they don't have to be compulsive so you guys know this is right up the professor's alley so everything that she talks about is just incredibly fascinating from a psychological standpoint if you've ever thought about being a dom you should listen to it. If you feel that you're a sub or you have desires that you haven't lived out, you should listen to her. So we talk quite a bit, and then she starts her anecdotes around 53 minutes. Uh, and there are there's one longer anecdote followed by two short ones, all great. So I encourage you to, to um, check out Victoria Sway on Instagram. It's at vi. K-T-O-R-I-A-S-W-A-Y. So that's Victoria with a K. uh, Sway. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And thank you for listening to Millennial Sex, True Stories Podcast. Well, I really want to extend an excited, enthusiastic welcome to our guest, Victoria Sway. That is Mistress Victoria Sway. Goddess. Oh, goddess! <laughs> yes, I, I actually recently changed that. Oh, yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, um, I don't like I don't uh, I have never liked the mistress slave, mm-hmm. um, but mistress is just so commonly used that I've used it um, more for search engine optimization or just because people know what that is, and I didn't like goddess. <laughs> until recently and I've kind of I'm like you know what this is what I do this is how I am so no more mistress yeah that makes sense but basically you are what they call a pro dom yes um you are a professional dominatrix or woman who is dominant professionally correct correct okay correct so I like to call myself Sensual wise woman, and I've recently kind of coined a new description for myself, which is goddess of torment. 
sexual, psychological, and physical torment. I think when people think of torment, they often think of just physical and the sexual and the psychological is maybe more important to me than the physical. Um, but I, physical torment's always, you know, I'm a sadist, so. It's sexual and physical and psychological. And psychological torment. torment. To push people's boundaries in whichever direction... Uh, when I meet someone and I start talking to them and I get a sense of them, I could get a sense of, you know, what they're shying away from. And, and so I'll take one of those tools and push them, you know, in that area to get them to start thinking about themselves or things in a different way. Can you give us an example from a real situation? Sure. I recently had a, a client come in and he was pretty new to things and he had this fantasy that he wanted to play out. Uh, I was a teacher and he was a student, wanted me to tease him a little bit and then uh, I was going to reprimand him for, you know, looking at my legs or watching me bend over. It was a pretty classic student teacher fantasy. But then I was going to turn the tables on him and tell him you know, he was going to be my sexual slave. Or I did turn the tables on him and tell him, you know, you're going to be my sexual slave. You're going to, you've been looking at my leg. I saw you. Now you're going to worship my leg. Now you're going to, you know, now you're going to kiss me. Now you're going to, like, and so moving him along things. So wait, so he didn't ask you to do that? You just... No, that was his fantasy. Okay. That was what, what was going to happen. That was what he wanted to have happen. And is, like, the psychology in that, that... He's innocent, and even though he's being naughty, now you're the one that's kind of making him indulge in these things. Now I'm, now I'm telling him that he has to do what his fantasy was that he wanted to do. So it takes the ownership off of them. So he's not guilty. Right, so he's, he's not innocent. guilty. I see. Exactly. A lot of it is they him. want the ownership taken off of them, and I don't let them. No. So Why? I make them... So this is, I do a couple different things. I'll make them say, you, you were looking at this and you wanted this, right? And they're like, oh, they get all flustered and their brain gets confused. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I make them ask for it. And then, and then I can see them, you know, the wall comes up where they close off and they're mm. like, okay, I want it. No, I don't want it. And then that's where I tell them, you know, ask them what they're feeling, have them breathe into it, have them let go into it, and then start feeling in their body. So you say, what, what are you feeling? And then they say, what? I can't breathe? Or? Uh, well, usually I just get the, uh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, breathe or ground feel or feel it, Close something like eyes. that. Yeah. Is it trying to like little meditation? Yeah, try and I, I'll put my hand on the center of their chest mm. and take a deep breath because sometimes the words don't, they're not, you know, the words don't work. And so you, I put my hand on their chest and I take a deep breath and you kind of send that grounding energy into them and you get them to ground and then express what their need is in a, um, in, in a calmer way uh, and have them ask for what they want. 
um, instead of manipulating around, you know, trying to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're afraid to take ownership for uh, our shadow desires. And so getting people to take ownership uh, and get to know themselves is a big part of healing because then we're not acting out of a compulsion to do something. We're acting out of our choice to do it because we know ourselves. And then you're not in shame. You know, they come in, they have this little fantasy, they go away, they're ashamed that they did it. But if somebody gets to ground and say, yeah, I had that fantasy. It doesn't mean that's what I want to do. I mean, but that is part of me and I can choose. Okay, I'll do this. That's fine. Or I choose not to do this. Um, but if you don't know it and it's a compulsion, then it has control over you. You don't have control over it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. When you force him to take ownership, then what does he say back? They breathe and they'll relax into it. And it's kind of funny, like, so this person, um, he was new and it was overwhelming for him. And I, I kind of knew that it was, you know, it, it, he's not ready. You know, he wasn't ready, but that's fine because you have to bring somebody to that point and it, it scares them to know who their, you know, their real self. And some people are like, oh, and they feel the fear and do it anyway. And they're like, I want to know my real self. I want to experience this different level of intimacy and communication. And some people, it terrifies them and they, you know, run away, never to be seen or heard from again. So just that little tiny like window of intimacy of where reality. you like know what they want and they don't want to say and you touch them. Yeah. That little exchange. It's too real for some people. You know, it's too much. Yeah. Too That's much the most feeling. intimacy they've had. In- yeah. They've never had a real moment like that where somebody, you know. Confronts their fear. Right. It's like, I see you and all of the chaos. Let's take a moment and feel it. And it's terrifying. And so... Uh, you know, anytime I, I get a new client, I'm trying to gauge how much of themselves I can show them. And, and sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to have one shot at this. I'm going to, you know, go all in and maybe I'll never see them again. Also, the other option is they're hooked. They're like, oh my gosh, this is what I want. I can finally know what's going on in my head. Uh-huh. Um, but you never know which way someone's going to go. So it's a risk. Um, yeah. But for me, you know, there are a lot of pro doms that they're just, you know, and it's nothing against that, but they're, they're acting out people's fantasies and they make a good living acting out people's fantasies. And we need that. Um, people need a break from reality. So for me, connecting with people and learning about who they authentically are and helping them learn about themselves using BDSM as a vehicle so they can learn about both their virtues and their shadow selves gives them the power to not act out of compulsion and to act out of choice. So are they going to choose to vent out their 
shadow or darker selves in a safe container of a BDSM scene or are they going to compulsively act that out at work or in their relationships or wherever it ends up leaking out because that's in there and you have to know it so you can have control over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's really my passion is helping people start to feel more about what their true thoughts and feelings are and being able to pick how they want to act and not act out of a reaction. There are people who are, you know, going through life that just have these fantasies that they want to act out and they don't know where they're coming from. They don't know why they're doing it. And they go and they look for for a pro-dom and they're like, I want to act this out. But they don't have any idea what's driving that and then they do it and a portion of them go away in shame that they did it. A portion of them actually do like kind of know what they're doing. They're like, yeah, I like this, whatever, I'm gonna do this. And then another portion of them understand that it is a vehicle to um, healing trauma and, and experiencing you know, things that have happened to them you know, in their past in a safe, positive way and, and rewiring that. But if I had my choice, you know, I would work with people all the time who really wanted to, to dig into the dark stuff mm. and explore their feelings in a really, like, connected, hot, sexy way. Using sexuality and the sexual desire along with the dark stuff to explore darker themes pretty fascinating can you give us another example maybe something even darker so i have this game that um one of my clients made and it is absolutely fascinating and you can use this kind of a predicament game in a lot of different ways but basically there are all of these cards that have like the different Anatomy. Well, these are different games. So, cock, wild card. Oh no, mouth, balls, balls, ass, ass, body, body. Okay, the whole body in one. What? Wait, 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 now I'm confused. Hold on. There's no clitoris. Well, nothing's happening to me. I'm just doing terrible things to him. Oh, okay. Well, maybe your clitoris would be like on his eyeball or something. Okay, so I would pick one of these envelopes. There's a carnival toss dunk tank tight buns dash wild west wedgie i mean there's i have a whole pile of these uh dice shots good golly holly oh we did this one this one was hilarious um yeah so i pick i pick the envelope roll the dice and if he ends up uh, with a higher number than me then he gets to fondle himself for three minutes, but he's not allowed to come. I get the higher number. I get to pick an envelope, and he has to do what the challenge is. And so the good golly Holly, I feel like I won all of our dice rolls. Like, I think he only got to fondle himself twice, and I, we went, we got through a lot of these envelopes. <laughs> so he's paying you by the hour? Yes. This is like a three or four hour session. Wow. Of this games of, of this of games. Yeah, exactly. So good golly Holly. Sut takes uh, the bag of 24 holly leaves 
and places them all on the counter by Miss Sway. That's me. The slut puts on tidy whities and a gag is put in his mouth. No whimpering. Nipple nipple clamps attached. Uh, The slut stands at the other end of the room uh, away from me. And the slut is to quickly go across the room, open his tidy whities wide, and I drop in one holly leaf in the front and one in the back. The slut is then to let to let his undies go and quickly go back to the starting point, get another leaf, bring it back. So back and forth and we keep putting the we kept kept putting these dried holly leaves, you know how pokey dried holly leaves are, all in these tidy whities and you'd have to run back and forth. And I think um, I decided that they weren't poking him enough and so then I started making him um, roll back and forth instead of um, run back and forth because if he's rolling on the ground, they're poking him even more. There's probably 20 envelopes like this. So we would roll the dice he would either get to masturbate or he would have to do one of these horrible things. That he designed. That he designed for himself, which is hilarious. I asked him if I could take this game because I thought it was so amazing. I wanted to use it for others. And uh, I've come up with uh, other um, options. So the my, my favorite one is... The client can, if they lose, they can pick an envelope uh, or they can pay me $100. So they have the choice um, to not have to go through the horrible, painful, humiliating task or they can just give me money and buy me off. But then we roll again and so then they're back in the same place again. Is the $100 option before or after they read the test? They have to choose before. It be after. Yeah, but if they're suffering quite a bit, because they've just finished one, and so if they're still suffering, they don't. it's like curtain number one or curtain number two. They don't know how horrible it's going to be. I mean, I guess they could do it after. I don't know. I'm not sure. Because it, well, it seems like there must be some tasks that are more horrible than others, you know? And, like, sometimes you're just, oh, not that one. I'm not, not going to do that. Yeah, I don't want to. I, I can't do that. I can't do that. Right, because it's yeah. just going to be like, no, pay me $100, and then... Five minutes later, it's like, okay, pick again, roll again, right? This is true. This is true. Anyway, I don't know. I'm just adding more spice to it. I know. They can they can pass and just pay me instead. So it's kind of like truth or dare, except they're pay all dares. They're all dares, <laughs> they're all dares and yeah. there's a dice, and there's one person who's being humiliated and yeah i mean this person is being psychologically humiliated you know by these tasks also physically humiliated also i'm sitting there you know in uh lingerie and heels drinking wine while they're you know doing these horrible things but that's part Uh, of the kink right oh yeah that's part of it but the the trick is when somebody is is doing all this it's easy for that to just like ramp up and up and up and they're not really feeling anything because they're just so into this scene the trick is to get to to weave in some feeling into what's going on so to get them to stop 
and pause and experience what's happening. This is humiliating. You feel humiliated. What is that experience like for you? And getting them to verbalize it that allows them to go away and not be in shame when they leave. It's like a calm, controlled agitation. Yeah, you have to to weave it. You build the frenzy with the game, and then you slow it down, and you feel, and then you build it, the agitation with the game again. So you build that energy, the frantic energy, the choices, the predicament, where you put them in this, I have to do this horrible thing, or I have to pay, you know, or I'm going to let her down. You know, so you build all that energy and then you slow it down and you ask, you know, how do you feel? What's going on? Like in a gentle... In a gentle way where you connect with the person. And, and then I might weave in some sexuality because as soon as you weave in the sexuality, you know, they feel better. When you're sexually turned on, you feel better. Things that... So how do you then weave in the sexuality? Oh, just, you know, like flirting and teasing and get them to, you know, look at my ass or look at my boobs or, so you know, like, how, do you, so like, how do you feel? And then they say, I feel like euphoric or I feel ashamed or I feel Well, usually, liberated. I mean, it'd be great if they could use words like that, but they can't. <laughs> Like, oh, good. Good. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where you know, where do you feel it? Does it feel warm? Does it feel cold? Does it feel like a rock in your stomach? You know, like I have to draw these things out. They're not just <laughs> coughing up words like euphoria. <laughs> So, exactly. So, but, okay, but, so what's interesting about that, though, is, like, it sounds like no matter what, in the role of the dom, like, you're, like, a lady who never loses her cool. Yeah, you have to create that safe container mm. for their frenzy and draw them along this path that feels like the learning that they need. Is yeah. there ever a time for unpredictability? Always unpredictable. <laughs> like in the game, but with you. It sounds like you're not nice, but... I'm always... I'm pretty nice, and I'm laughing a lot while we're doing these. Some female doms are like... Mean. Oh, some, some are like some are really... Yeah, some speed. are really mean and are really corporal, and it's always a straight face. There's probably more like that than there are the warm, playful, laughing teasing doms thank you yeah when somebody says an old school dom they mean that you know mean structured you know it's going to be this way kind of clear boundaries um kind of corporal punishment and that's and and so there's a lot of doms that are doing it differently than that now there is a place for both whatever it is that that has to be fully negotiated out and they have to trust that I'm experienced enough, that I know what I'm doing, that I can see what's going on with them, and that I'm not just going to randomly do something that we didn't negotiate. Right. Uh, You're not going to take advantage. Right. Exactly. Because right. when somebody goes when somebody goes into subspace, you could ask them 
can I do blah, 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 blah to you? And they're going to say, yeah. And then when they come out of subspace later, we didn't negotiate that. I didn't really actually want to do that. I just, you know, so you never do something that wasn't negotiated ahead of time in a session. Because people will say all kinds of things once they're sexually turned on. And they didn't really want to do that. They just get in the moment of pleasing. Because these people don't feel, they're intimidated, they won't say, they don't know how they feel in order right. to say, it, hey, I don't, you know, they just say once, nothing. Once your endorphins are at a certain level or mm -hmm. you get in that floaty subspace, mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not thinking clearly anymore. And so you'll agree to do something that when you're not in that high, you know, it's like you're drunk. But and you'll agree that, to do like, things you don't okay, really want to do. You ever have like a really hot, like you ever have like really hot sex when like it's like hot as fuck. You're all yeah. over. You're throwing each other. Right. And you're like sometimes when it's that hot, I feel like doing anal because yeah. I'm just like, yeah, we're there. Right. Normally, I never would. Usually, nine, 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 nine yeah. times it never happens. But if right. somebody were to ask me right then, you might want to do it. Let's try it. You know, and like. Is that the kind of thing? Yeah. So the thing about that with me, my feeling on that is, because I've been there where you're talking about, where I would like it then, and I wouldn't be upset later. But when you're talking about BDSM, you're talking about more extreme things, and I, uh, I just I have a firm boundary of... Um, no, we're not going to add anything in the session, mm -hmm. but let's do it next time. If okay. When you come out of it and you sober up and you're like, yeah, I think I want to try that, then let's do it next time. But I'm not going to add it in, in the moment. Not something that we haven't agreed to. But sometimes someone will give me a long list, you know, and I'll decide, okay, well, we're going to do these things. And then we get doing it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do some of these other things instead. Yeah. You know, so that's the unpredictability. Yeah. What's um, slut training specifically? Like, what is the definition <laughs> of slut training? Um, slut training is a lot like one of those things we were talking about earlier. People want permission to be slutty. And so they want me to teach them you so stereotypically for for a dominatrix it's you know a cis male who wants to take a cock but can't own they want to take a cock so they want to be a dirty whore and they'll come to me train me you know to be your slut force me to take a cock Teach me, you know, like, I want cocks in my mouth. I want cocks in my ass. You know, teach me how to be a dirty whore. You know, and so you have to go through a whole process, though. Like, you can't just stick a dildo on someone's ass and, and say, oh, you're going to take this cock. Anybody who's had anal sex knows there is a process to learning <laughs> how to take something in your ass. So, you know, you start with a finger. Actually, you don't start with a finger. You start with a lot of massage and relaxation and talking about breathing and relaxing, you know, all of the muscles. Uh, and then you start with a finger. Um, and you have to be very slow about each thing. The finger, the butt plug, the small dildo, the larger dildo. 
And that doesn't happen in one session. That takes, depending on the person, you know, I've had people where that's taken 10 sessions until they can take the dildo. You know, and I've had people where it's just a couple sessions. I can imagine you have lifelong clients. I <laughs> have some clients that I've had since I've started doing this. <laughs> I've had some clients mm-hmm. since the beginning. Most of They're them are still back. unrolling yeah. the rug. Most of them are back in Portland, and they keep messaging me. When are you coming back? When are you coming back? And I'm like, oh. So you live in. So you're based in New York City, but yeah. you're originally from Portland. From Portland, Oregon. I started in Portland, and then I started traveling outside of Portland to work. And New York happened to be one of the places that I traveled to because I knew that it would be safe here because, you know, you can do anything in New York. Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. And here's to everybody listening who's not in New York. You should get here because everyone's do- back. And yeah, you can do it's- literally anything. We got a new mayor. He's like, you guys can do anything. And we got a new District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, and you know he's like, you guys can do anything. You can do anything. (laughs) And we don't mean crimes. We just mean, like, do anything. Anything that is not going to hurt somebody else. Right. (laughs) Just don't don't cause any drama. Don't bring a lot of attention to yourself. And New Yorkers, you can do anything. Exactly. Mm. So I came to New York to work and fell in love with the city. And here I am several years later with my own place. I moved here. Um, during the middle of the pandemic, I moved here, and I'm loving it. You live in an amazing neighborhood. I do like it here. Like amazing <laughs> everything. Amazing people. Just it's close to everything. Easy access to the rest of the city. So, yeah, it's great here. So, um, so, so slut training. So, slut training is basically just like degrading, humiliating things that are designed to train a a man who wants to have sex with another man but isn't ready to acknowledge that. Sometimes it's humiliating and sometimes it isn't. For for some people, they want to be humiliated. You're a dirty whore. And some people, it's like, you're a dirty whore and I love you. You're my dirty whore and I'm gonna, you're gonna take this cock and you are amazing for taking it. The way you say, yeah, you're just a dirty whore, you'll take any cock, it doesn't matter, you know, that's degrading versus, you know, you're my pet, I love you, you're taking this cock for me, you're the best. Those are two totally different mental spaces for somebody. Mm-hmm. Whatever I'm doing, I want my sub to take ownership. You wanted to do this, right? You need to ask for it. And I make them ask for it. Because they have to own what they want. It isn't me forcing them. It start out that way, <laughs> but it's not going to end that way. So you also have another type that you do. It's like service training, right? So I do uh, kind of three areas of specialty with my uh, BDSM. The first one is the sensory training, which is a little bit of what we've been talking about. Um, And then also the bondage and and body work. But that's where I am am getting people to like feel different sensual things and own what they're feeling and know what they're feeling. The second one is service training. And there are six different kinds of uh, service. First one, 
and the, the most commonly thought of is domestic service. So where somebody comes in and they do your cleaning or they learn how to like um, serve you your tea or your coffee um, or they run errands for me or some, some domestic service sort of thing. The next one would be financial service. It's basically they want to contribute um, or provide for me in some kind of a financial way. The other one is personal service. So they're going to like draw a bath for me or put lotion all over me or, you know, stand there with my towel, that sort of thing. So they're serving me more as like a, you know, like a personal valet or yeah, butler or something like that. It seems like a lot to manage that one. But it is months of training to get somebody... You know, mm-hmm. that you're, I'm comfortable enough with that I can just relax in my bathtub with my candles and my whatever and not have to worry about mm-hmm. them where they're actually useful. What are the other two? Creative services. So like somebody who does house decorating or website design or uh, designs an outfit or, yeah. you know, like some kind of a creative mm-hmm creative service mm-hmm. and sexual service so where I teach somebody exactly how they're going to lick me or exactly how I want to use their cock or wh- wh- whatever oh. that is that's another one I that's a lot it, of effort do it in that kind of safe firm but gentle teachers right sort of exactly mode. yeah okay with with what about professional service? Like attorney does your, you know, count. Oh yeah, actually that's like, skilled service. Okay. That's skilled service. skilled service. So if it was like skilled service, like an accountant, or it was like domestic service, like someone cleaning your house. That's, un- yeah, unskilled. How, <laughs> like, how do you, like one reservation I would have is like, I don't know this person and what they're going to be all over my house or... You know, can I trust this person with my tax information? It starts slow. You don't start off doing my taxes. I give them a very limited task. So they'll hire me for, you know, an hour or two. And I'm going to teach you how to wash my dishes. And it's very much not a service to me. It's an effort for me to train you. I'm hanging out with them watching them, teaching them exactly how to do my dishes, but we're building trust. Right. Like, and it's a long process to where I trust you to come in and clean when I'm not there. Mm. You know, that doesn't, that takes months. So how, how much would they pay for like an, an hour or two of you literally hand-holding them through cleaning your house? So domestic service is $100 an hour. Um, so it's not very much. No, it's not. But your house is clean. But my house is getting cleaned and I really hate doing that stuff. Yeah, you're like participating but not really doing the work. I'm usually (laughs) sitting doing some computer work and watching them. And, you know, I might like get up and walk around them and like look a little bit. But this is, this for $100 an hour, this is not a scene. This is, I'm going to teach you how to wash my dishes mm-hmm. and where my stuff goes. So you just tell them what to do from the computer? Yeah, or I might get up and go look. And then I'll go look and see if they did a good job. But it is not a scene. So there are domestic service scenes, and that's an entirely different mm-hmm. thing and rate. So know. when they finish cleaning, then what happens? 
they leave. What yeah. do you think is the difference between subs and brats? Well, brats just want to act out, and they want you to show them where the boundaries are, and then discipline them. Uh, and they want to see if they're smarter than you. And they, you know, they're really looking. They're, you know, they're probably that kid whose mom didn't give him any boundaries. And they're like, "Are you going to give me a boundary? Are you going to give me a boundary? Who's going to give me a boundary?" You know. So um, there is something uh, emotionally to explore there and so if everybody's up front about what's going on i think it can be a healthy thing it's just people aren't up front about that often i don't even think they're aware actually half the time you know you have to be a skilled enough um dominant to catch somebody like right away when they're doing it call them out on it and you know not allow it now I get a lot of boundary pushers. We don't call them brats. We call subs. them boundary pushers. Subs that you then put in <laughs> but their the men, place, right? The men are boundary pushers. You okay. know, like uh, they'll agree to whatever, and they come and they ask for, oh, can we can we do this? Can we can we do that? Well, well, you know, I had a the the you know. Oh yeah, all um, men push your freaking. That's a brat, you know. But it's different than how women do it, and so you got to call them out. Um, on it, uh, you know. So it's myself. That's why. <laughs> no, because but I that's what brat. I mean, that's what's doing, I just right? Yeah. That I'm a brat, and it's like weird because like I'm like, well, I'm kind of dominant in real life, but then I have a whole like submissive thing, and then I realized not that long ago, I made a video with somebody, and when I edited the video, I was like, wow, you're a fucking. Brat. <laughs> what were you doing? What were you doing? Like they tell oh. you to do something, you're like, I don't wanna. I was just. Super antagonistic. I mean, we both were, but yeah. I was very, yeah, oh yeah, I was very funny. Antagonist, yeah. Yeah, and it was like a really, uh, Push. and so I didn't really realize it, because he said it, and then I didn't really realize it, and then I was like, oh, okay, so what is the difference then? That means it's like gradients, like sub, brat, probably something. There's different types. Down. They're just different types of subs. You know, there's a lot of different types of subs. Well, there's subs that are, yeah, because there's subs who are like afraid to do anything. You've got to. You know, you've got like a sub. Yeah, corner. you've got subs that are uh, like you know, they really need to be built up. They're they don't have um, they don't have any self esteem. They're cowering. They're like you know, whatever. Like those subs, they need to be built up. They don't need to be, you, you know, like that's a different kind of sub. Then you've got a power sub who's somebody you know who's a you know a pretty powerful person a in the world, sub. but wants to submit and um learn something or experience something or you know like be taken out of their head for a period of time and you have brats and you have pets and you have you know sluts and you have you have there's i I mean i could probably sit here and name off 20 different types of ways to be submissive you said you could name off 20 different types but i mean maybe don't don't pressure me most people (laughs) don't know anything about this you know right you even like your average person has heard of a couple of these things but they don't know all this stuff no you know? Like, this is in-depth that's what you that's why you hire psych- that's why you hire a professional yeah exactly <laughs> and it's like fascinating when you start to realize where you fall um on these different lines in the sexual yeah. spectrum well, and, and those things can move once you start to realize where you're falling you realize oh and that's what I'm talking about is getting people 
to explore their shadows and understand what some of these things that they're doing, like being bratty or being antagonistic or whatever, like, you know, realize that you're doing that. But when you are exploring in this container, then you get to learn those things about yourself. And then you get to choose, okay, do I want to be like that or do I want to not be like that? Mm -hmm. But if you don't Mm -hmm. even know, then you're not choosing. Right. You're doing it compulsively instead of doing it safely, like... Right, out of choice. Right, exactly. I think my healthier clients that come to me that are aware that I'm in control all the time, I'm making all the decisions, I'm this power person, I want to experience something different. Mm -hmm. I consider that to be a healthy, like, response to patriarchy. They're like, let's, like, let me have something else for a little while. Yeah. Like, they're aware. They are aware. Right. Right. Okay, there's a portion of them that don't even realize what why they're seeking it out. Like, they don't... They're not... They just have this fantasy. Mm. They don't even aware... They're not even aware that they want to experience something different. They're just like, I have this teacher-student fantasy, or I have this, you know, you PME fantasy. They're... So disconnected. UPME? IP on them. Sorry. Oh. I, whatever they're, the golden, yeah. They have these fantasies and they are not even aware that it's just because there's this, you know, power dynamic in our society and it's making them sick. This is interesting because like people's lives culminate in the point where they begin to realize that what they really crave is not lining up to how they're living. And if they go out and seek that out, it becomes a thing that is absolutely necessary. The more unaware, the more in the shadows repressed the things are, the more likely it is to become a compulsion or to become a, you know, they just keep hitting that button again and again and again and again. I think a lot of times that that is because they're not tuning into what's going on inside of them and why they're doing it and what they think and they're not actually processing through why do I keep hiring people to pee on me? You know, what is it that I'm actually doing or trying to get out of this? And so, for me, slowing someone down to start figuring out some of the underlying issues, you know, is part of helping people heal. hmm Yeah. But it also feels like a total cash cow, too. Because I know that the older you get, the more, like, you, f- oh, I feel this. And it's like, you can ignore yeah. it for a while, but it's like, you feel this, and, like, life is tough, and you need to feel something in order to, like shake off all the weird let, stuff. You gotta let that energy go. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta tap go. in. Because it gets yeah, boring. Like, it's boring, it's depressing, and you need to, like... And people, I think, will literally do anything to get to, shake, to, to that space. They want to feel something. Yeah, and when I they mean, know they're going in a direction that's going to liberate them, once they know, I think it's like an unstoppable train. Like, people will pay anything. A percentage of people. I would. Yeah, if I knew but like oh, a, this is gonna solve me. Like this is gonna help me so much. But it, but it terrifies some people. They, it's like the woman who 
knows that her husband is cheating on her, but is going to ignore all the signs because she is content in her life and she doesn't want to... There's a lot of people like that. That's more complicated than people's innermost sexual desires because yeah. that, that's right. tied to her life and her future, her right. money. The same thing, though. Like a man who comes to me and has their sexual desire yeah. or whatever it is, he's afraid of giving up his life of you know whatever it is or his status at his job or his income if i'm gonna go seek out this thing i'm not gonna have those things anymore so he gets terrified and goes back into his like some anal stuff it doesn't necessarily mean they like men it means they just like the way anal feels but sometimes when they're like yeah i want a cock in me and i want to like feel that no no could he feel intimacy with another man yeah i think so right Yeah. Um, does he want a hard cock on him? No. He's That's, not ready to own it. I feel like he's disappointed that I'm not dominant enough. Like, he thinks I'm going to be dominant in the way he wants, but I fucked that up or something. <laughs> it's because right? it's hard. Yeah, yeah exactly, because he's yeah. a little bit of a brat. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, I want to dang. <gasps> no! You know, yeah. Like that. And there's a boundary. I can tell he doesn't want to cross unless it's in some compulsive way right right we're not going to admit or say we're going to cross it force him then it's okay Mm, right he's not going to ask for it so he he in the past i don't know yeah he has you know suggested i've resisted and gotten him to say take you can take advantage of me that's as far as he he won't he'll say you (laughs) can take take advantage of me oh because our culture has put so much shame on them if they like these things so they you know so many people aren't ready to own these feelings that they have um you know because they think it means they're not a man because that's what i'm not a man religion I'm, and that's what your dad and everybody or, or whatever you, you know so. i mean it's not it's when I say our culture, I don't even just mean American culture. Some, you know, other cultures yeah, are way worse yeah. about, you know, the, the shame around wanting things that are deviant. And so, you know, they come to me to force them. Uh, I'm going to, if this if this person takes advantage of me and makes me do it, then it isn't my fault and I'm still a man. A man to me is somebody who owns who he is and ask for it and i like this and i don't really care what you think or you think or what culture says i'm owning who i am Mm -hmm. that's you know yeah an adult or a man or a woman you know i know it would be hard if your family was like pounding into your brain that you owe jesus your whole life I can't even imagine how hard it would be that you owe God. You're going to go to hell. It's like your whole family would disown you. I I can't even imagine. In their view of what's upstanding. The the people who choose to be who they are, you know, in the face of that are very brave. Brave, yeah. They have to sacrifice. And a lot of these people who I think probably come to you, a lot of them probably have some religious oh, yeah. teachings they, uh, at home that they're lot. trying to let go of. In in New York, I see a lot of 
Jewish. Because there's you know, so many religious families. And Jewish they families have just yeah. been, I mean, the abuse that so many of these people that come to me have suffered is just, it's sad. Mm. And they, you know, they just want to be loved and accepted, you know, for who they are and they don't have any outlets. So, like, if someone's had... You know, a man has had kind of the home where they have a, a, a mom at home, you know, kind of a more traditional, yeah, right? right? Which would be a more traditional client, right? Like, like he's had a mom at home, um, a dad who um, is supposed to be the head of the house. Are you um, talking about how they were raised? Or are yeah, you talking about their the, home How they were raised okay. and maybe some religion at home, you know, um, and all those kinds of factors and a guy coming out of that environment who may feel like he's a mama's boy or um, not tough enough. Is this kind of a, a personality that you meet? My client wants to explore uh, some, some pretty like deep, intimate feelings. And for me, I enjoy that. So like they want to do um, maybe some like dress-up scenes and then like some breastfeeding scenes, things like that. And that's, that's a lot of fun for me because you get a lot of eye contact. You get a lot of intensity and intimacy and those are you know some very slow sensual type sessions which are uh enjoyable do you have any tips for someone who's like a novice at a female who's a novice at being a dom but wants to try to you know do more and practice something could you give like our listeners like a little thing maybe they could do or try or test out so i recently on twitter got the same question came up but what's the best advice you could give a baby dom and my response was follow your heart do what you want and uh don't think you have to be any particular type of dom don't try and do all the things do the things you want to do, that's how you're going to find your niche. I mean, that's feminine energy, is, like, being you. And 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 if, if you're trying to, like, do it all, then you're taking away your special. You have to know yourself and stand up for, this is what I want to do, and this is what I like, this is what color I want to paint my nails, this is the kind of sex I want to have, and you need to hold those boundaries and not... Um, think, well, I need to be in this relationship, and so I'm going to be this way because that's what they're going to like, and then I'm going to have this relationship I want, you know, or whatever. But that's what gets you into trouble. Mm-hmm. It's But knowing yourself and expressing yourself, that's what makes you special. That's what makes you unique, and what, what people are actually attracted to mm-hmm. is you expressing your unique yeah but uh, but a lot of us are figuring that out because we've repressed those things for so long you know our light is bright and people don't like it and they'll tell you to you know the no you can't do this no you can't do that or they don't want to you know they're afraid of your bright light Mm -hmm. and it starts when you're young when you're supposed to shut up and very young yeah so you have to come out of that and and it's i mean i'm old (laughs) 
and in my generation, it's you're not. You know, old. First of all, uh, she's hot. No. Okay, she's not. She's not twenty, but she's like really hot. So I don't know. I mean, she's an adult. I'm an adult. Don't ever say you're old. I don't know. But but in it's it took me a long time to get over the cultural programming, and I was probably a little slow. Um, to to come out of it because I made it work for me for a long time. I made it I made it kind of work for me uh, until I, I was like, what am I doing, you know? And then stopped playing the game. I guess I played the game well for a long time and then realized that I didn't want to be playing the game anymore. Yeah. Um, so I, I was uh, probably a little slower to come out of it. Me too. I think yeah. it's common. Theme, you know yeah, for people you're, you're slow to come out but then you like you're like okay wait you're like end. wait a second you're like this is what i'm gonna do yeah <laughs> it's on, like so you know like babies whose parents speak differently like babies who are bilingual right they take longer to speak at all and right, literally, right, yeah right, the right. brain just like when it takes in new information it basically creates neurotransmitters and synapses but they're not connected for a period right right so it's not until these things connect in your brain literally physically through a neurotransmitter and building a bridge of electrode that you start to be, oh yeah until then you're just like yeah. uh. <laughs> subspace <guess>. uh. yeah <laughs> it's true and then you're like one day you're like Oh yeah, cause back in the summer of whatever, and then all this shit starts to click. And then you're like, I'm gonna do what I want, right? I'm gonna do what I want. God damn it! I moved to New York <laughs> and drink wine. <laughs> Thank was you. There, was there anything else? You didn't really tell an anecdote that you had picked. Well, I told about my game, but that's not an anecdote. That's part of your offerings. An anecdote is like, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. You're just like, yeah, okay, here's a story. So, one day I went to meet the client and... One day I had this client, uh, I so I had just come out of an extremely traumatic personal uh, relationship. Two of them, at the same time, ended. And I moved from New York back to Portland to go home and lick my wounds and heal and I have one client that I'm seeing um, weekly that is basically supporting me and and what he's he's a slut and he's wants slut training and it I could do that for him no problem I didn't have to think too hard it wasn't that dangerous so I'm like okay this is perfect Mm-hmm. You're just like sticking to his butt. And yeah, teaching him how to. Through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're you're a slut. I'd get him in subspace and you know, vibrators, dildos, whatever. So um, there is a club in Portland that my friends own, and they once a month would have this night called Fluid, which is you know the name of a. a sex party that happens probably everywhere around the country mm-hmm. anyway he's like we take me to um fluid and you know we'll see what happens if somebody you know like wants to use me they can use me and i'm like i've been i mean at this point um i've been to a lot of sex parties in my life 
and you know these are my friends that own the club i'm completely comfortable there but i'm also not in my like most dommy headspace i'm still pretty traumatized from the breakups mm-hmm. i'm like yeah okay i'll take you whatever it's a safe space for me i know everyone there no big deal we'll go uh, and I've taken clients to sex clubs before, and we go, they watch, we hang out. You know, it's never this big, exciting thing that people think it's going to be. And especially when it's like a forced bisexual sort of thing. Like, that just doesn't happen. Rarely. I mean, it happens, but rarely. So we go, and we get there, and we're chatting. And, and I mean, we are not there for 10 minutes and this couple walks up to us and the guy's pretty hot and the girl that's with him is like beautiful and completely my type and i'm like uh anyway he's talk he's talking to me because i'm obviously the dominant and he's like so um like what are you guys into what are you here for like what and uh (laughs) And I'm like, um, well, he's a slut, and if you want to use him, you may. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and I was so shocked. It was, I wasn't expecting it at all, because it just doesn't happen. You don't see men having sex together at sex clubs very often at all. And I'm like, uh, um... You know, in my head, I'm like, you're in charge, you're in charge, you're in charge. I'm like, okay, well, I need to prepare him, so give me a half an hour to get him ready, and then, you know, you, you can come over. Uh, and he says, okay. So I take my client, you know, over to the bed area, and I get him all into subspace, and I get him, you know, like all bent over and leaning over, and I probably prepped him with a butt plug. I don't even remember anymore. Um, But I get him all ready. And the couple comes back over. And, like, she's giving her boyfriend a blowjob to get him hard. And I'm, like, talking to my sub and, you know, like, telling him how good he is. He's a good boy. And he's going to take a cock. And um, a crowd is gathering because you don't see things like this happen very often at clubs. Um, and I keep reminding myself that I am in charge of this situation. Does just walk around naked? No, there's, a, there's I mean, like 5% walking around naked. Most people are there to, to uh, socialize or to, you know, like chat with their friends or like be in the environment. Everybody has a sexy outfit on, okay. whatever. But there's, you know, 10% is okay. on that outside having sex or doing things mm-hmm. and other people are voyeurs or they're going to do something later or whatever this is still pretty early in the evening mm-hmm. that this happens um so uh i'm orchestrating this um forced by scene did the boyfriend have like a good sized penis he had a pretty big cock it wasn't massive or i wouldn't have let that happen because um, my client, he was, you know, like, like his first time, right? was his first time with a guy. I mean, he'd had my cock, but he'd never yeah. had a guy before. Yeah. Um, so 
this happens. The guy fucks my client and like my uh, with a condom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, always. No but it's yeah, like, it's like it seems like so hard to have anal sex with a condom. Lots of lube. Wow. I'm always like lube, lube, lube. I tell every client, uh, I'm like, look, I can't tell if there's enough lube. The only thing you have to be responsible for is telling me if you need more lube. And I use a really high quality lube. So, which one? Uh, Uber lube, which is, uh, I, it doesn't taste like anything. It's a silicone lube. Um, and, and I'll ruin a million toys. I don't care. That lube makes everything feel good. Um, Uber lube. Uber lube. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's got the right pH balance, so it doesn't, it isn't a problem. You know, like mm-hmm. how some libs are a problem for women. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was it was hilarious. I've been using it for years, and uh, I went to a new gynecologist, and she's like, and so if you're going to use lube, you use Uber lube. Would you like a sample? And I'm like, no, it gets shipped to me monthly automatically on my Amazon account. <laughs> I don't need a sample. Uh, can you give me a sample? <laughs> <laughs> I can. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So I orchestrated this whole thing with my client, this forced buy section and like, uh, or forced uh, buy scene. And, you know, there's crowds of people at the sex club standing around watching it happen. And, uh, you know, it all finishes up and everybody goes their own way. And I was in such a space in my head that it, it probably it took me months to process that that happened and to be like, oh yeah, I orchestrated this amazing scene that everyone loved. Do people film it? <laughs> no, you can't. No, there's no filming things in sex clubs. No. Uh, but it was amazing. It was a great scene. You know, and I just like, I kind of fell back onto my... Um, you know, my training and all my experience, but... Uh, Did you fuck him hard? No. No. I would... Yeah, I wouldn't let that happen. So you were, like, standing there? I was standing... Oh, I was watching. I'm watching my client, you know, to make sure that he's... How did he like it? He loved it. Uh, you know, but there got to be a point where it was too much, and, you know, I had to stop it, or to, like, slow it down, or take a break, or... You know, like, there was definitely some interaction, supervision going on there. Which I think is a really great way, though, to get into something like that, uh, because when you're, you know, we're anal sex for the first time. Could you imagine having a moderator there who was, you know, like watching how you were doing and like stopping the person? Like it would make it such a better experience. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> yes or no? If you trust the person, you know who's moderating. Yeah, <laughs> you're like you're like I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it sounds hot. Like as you were saying, I was thinking like I want to go. Can you take me? Because I would love if you found some hot guy to like fuck the shit out of me. I got to act like I had nothing to do. with I it. I had nothing to do with it. And then and and then. And just and just see when you're not comfortable and be like, okay, that's enough. Like you don't you don't even have to be responsible for your boundary. Yeah, because you then know? you don't have to ch- you don't have to experience intimacy with the guy. You can just because exper- that's always complicated when you when you have sex with a guy and then there's like in, how much intimacy do you 
If it depends on the, because sometimes you just want an experience for the sensory experience. Yeah. You don't want the emotional connection right. and the intimacy, right. and that's what that but is. But intimacy makes it better sex. So but that is a that. But that is a different ball of wax. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and and intimacy is amazing, and I love it, and I want it. But sometimes on a first experience like that, the intimacy was between my client. And me, right? We had the intimacy, and I was running the, you know, sexual um, experience. Mm-hmm. What what he was feeling yeah. was happening was like a tool. Yeah, because but there's because intimacy. The intimacy between you and the client is really enhanced by the fact that there's a whole crowd watching around. So that you're basically. Too you know, controlling the whole crowd and this person is, it's like not just one guy. You're yeah, like, oh, there's a like whole crowd. Of, there's a, yeah. It's like you are controlling the whole crowd for him Because I am, alone. I've got the buffer in between yeah. the yeah. crowd, the participants, and the client. It sounds yeah. highly arousing for the sub, you know. It's yeah, arousing oh, it alone just to get fucked. But then to get fucked with, like, your master helping and then to have, like, all these people watching uh, uh, that your master's, like, that. controlling. And, and they see the intimacy between us. Yeah. And then they see the sexual and then the taboo. And there's right. just, you know, well, a lot to be Well, as you tell, like, the dom, like, what to do and not to do, the crowd then follows that lead. So it becomes, like... The whole thing is like coming out of your. It's like from him to you and just flows yeah. out. So there's a lot of energy. Yeah, it sounds really hot, actually. There's a lot of energy. You don't get to do things like that. That that level. I would love to. If you want to take me to the sub, the guy has to be hot though with a nice penis. So have to, like, uh, there is a <laughs> sex club here in New York um, that uh, we could make that happen. Although I would totally do that. Yeah, but like the, you know. Yeah, I would try that. <laughs> that could happen. Not in the ass, though. But, you know. but where, yeah, it doesn't... You know my fetish. Yeah, <laughs> but that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be easy. Actually, that's the only way I enjoy sex clubs anymore. I don't actually like to participate. I like to go with people who like to participate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to this uh, convention uh, in LA. DomCon. which is a dominatrix conference in LA. And I'm down there for a week and I have a lot of luggage because I have all of my outfits for the whole week that I'm down there plus all of my toys and um, you know you can bring your two suitcases with 50 pounds each and I had some heavy items that were making me overweight and I'm like well these are going to have to go in a carry-on so I have a corset that has all this metal on it I have this like double-ended enjoy dildo which is like a steel heavy dildo um and then i have i have my bag with all my dildos in it and rubber gloves and condoms uh and like a variety of things like this anyway i'm like because it's all going on my carrier bag there's no liquids in here it's like 5 a.m in the morning there's not going to be anyone at the airport this is going to be fine I go in and I'm pretty sleepy and out of it and I'm really like not even expecting them to like pull my bag aside I'm waiting and then I see my bag go off to the side and I'm like you 
got to be kidding me. They're going to search my bag. There's nothing in there. I know there's nothing in there. I just got singled out for no reason. And I'm looking, and, like, nobody's coming to get my bag to search it. And I ask the woman who is running the thing, I'm like, what, what's going on? She's like, you're just going to have to wait until somebody can search it. And I'm like, okay. And she's kind of, like, got a chip on her shoulder, lesbian type. Uh, and I'm like, why did she pull my bag aside they didn't make any sense to me so then this guy comes over to search my bag and he takes it over this is your bag I'm like yeah and he's like this awkward tall like lanky young guy and he like zips it open starts pulling things out and he like pulls out my corset and looks at it and sets it aside and he's like pulling out different things and I'm like oh so then he pulls out the bag that has stuffed full of the condoms and rubber gloves, and he unzips it and outsprings all the rubber gloves and condoms. And he just looks at it and he's like, and he, he's like, oh geez. He literally says, oh geez. And he looks at me and he's like, you can put all this away, right? And he like, and I'm like, yeah. And he turns and he runs away. <laughs> I have to walk over there and put all my stuff at five in the morning. And then I look back over at this fucking woman running the x-ray belt. She set that guy up, the new guy up, with my bag to have to empty out the dildos and the whatever. He, she she knew just, he was the new guy. Uh, well, when he came over, I could tell he was a new guy. Like, he didn't really, he was all awkward. He, like, didn't really know how to search. Like, you could just tell he was oh. new and that she was setting him up. Like, she saw my stuff come through. Yeah, you're and not the first dumb. Uh, uh, she saw my stuff. We went to L.A. No. Down from Portland. Or yeah, Oregon. there's probably, like, a ten of you in the last hour. Well, like, like, on the same uh And she's, like, set that guy up. And me, I'm over there putting my stuff back in my bag going you've got to be kidding me i'm like well i'm awake now <laughs> and i go I get on my flight i'm like oh <laughs> i don't know it's fun like i think it's kind of cute that he was like intimidated by it, it I instead can't of some it. douche that was like what's this i oh my god the ogs that was <laughs> priceless ogs oh, Oh jeez! Oh jeez! Dildos and rubber gloves and condoms. Like I swear to God, they came like spurting out of my bag. <laughs> I had cartoon. I was. Luckily, and it was empty at the airport. Of course, while this was happening, there were barely any people around because it's five in the morning. That's my airport story. Nice. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> Okay, now it's bedtime. All right. I have so many, I have so <laughs> many stories, but I never remember them until I start talking to people. Yeah. My first trip to New York, I'd have to find the photo for you. The first trip to New York, so I, I would have a clothes bag and a um, bag with all my fetish stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And my first trip to New York, uh, like come to New York, do me thing, whatever. I'm going home. 
and I'm waiting for my luggage to come back. And I this is like maybe my second or third travel trip. I'm like, my luggage is coming around. I get my clothes suitcase, and then I see my fetish suitcase come around on the conveyor belt, and it is like completely taped shut with like the danger tape. It's not danger. It's like whatever Delta Airlines. It opened up. The zipper broke. Who knows what came out? They taped that shit tight back up and put it back on the conveyor. I watch it come around and I'm like, oh! And it had the, you know, um, this bag has been searched label in it and all my stuff is just in complete disorder in the suitcase. Wow, that was an incredibly informative uh, and useful interview, I think. Um, I have definitely have a better understanding of how DOM-sub dynamics fit together from the, from the DOM perspective. So thank you so much, Victoria Sway. And thank you for listening to Millennial Sex, True Stories Podcast. I'm your host, the Professor Double X, and I look forward to our next romp in the bedroom. Good night.